Welcome to the Tuesday version of the Daily Walk. I'm your host, Wayne Clevenger, and today we get to start in the book of Mark. Now, Mark focuses a lot on what Jesus does. So what we want to look at in Mark is what is Jesus doing? Let's focus on that while we go through it. And Mark is really a fast-paced book because Mark doesn't get into the birth and genealogy of Jesus. He gets right into the ministry and life of Jesus. And I think you're going to find that interesting right off the bat. So I'll point out some of the differences. There's going to be a whole lot of similarities, okay? But what we want to look at in the similarities, while we notice in Matthew how much Jesus was teaching, let's look at what Jesus is doing in this one and kind of focus on that, okay? So today we're in Mark 1 through 3, and we start right off with Mark jumping into the forerunner. He can't leave out the forerunner. John the Baptist was huge because that was a a fulfillment of the prophecy from way back when, when Isaiah said there's a messenger coming before The difference is, you know, we had a lot about John the Baptist and Matthew, but we're not going to have a whole lot about it here. Um, The one thing we do get is he mentions that John the Baptist is coming, fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. And the one thing that is key that that all these Gospels are going to say is he talks about how he's, baptizing with water but the one coming after him will baptize with the Holy Spirit and that's key because when we look at what Jesus does in the passion and I'll expand on this later when we get to the passion again is the passion you know we always look at the cross as being he died for our sins yes he did But if we look at the Old Testament, they had a way for forgiveness, right? They could go take their their, uh, sin offering to the priest and offer that up and have forgiveness, okay? So yes, Jesus was about forgiveness, but he was about so much more. And, And John the Baptist, the reason this is in there in all these Gospels is because Jesus is about so much more, okay? So uh, the mentions that he is that, and then there's a quick mention about how Jesus came to be baptized by John the Baptist, okay? And this is also mentioned because it also wants to, remember we had it in Matthew 2, and the voice from heaven comes down and is heard and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove and you are my dearly loved son 
and you bring me great joy. Okay, now I'm not going to go back to Matthew, but if you go into Matthew where this is, you'll see that this is worded just a little different. We have to look at all the different Gospels to see how this is heard by the different writers. I think you need all of them to get the full picture of what they're trying to say. All right, but now here's the thing. This is fast-paced, remember? We didn't get to Jesus' temptation till later in Matthew, but right now is when Mark, we're in chapter 1, we're only in verse 12, and Mark's already talking about Jesus going into the wilderness to be tempted. But it's a brief thing. Remember, we got into great detail, I think it was Matthew 4, about Jesus going into the wilderness, led into the wilderness to be tempted. He goes into great detail, tells the whole scenario, the whole scene. But Mark just says he was led into the wilderness. He's tempted by Satan for 40 days, and the angels took care of him. End of story. That's it. That's all he puts in there about it, okay? Then he says how John was arrested, and then he's arrested because he's preaching, repent. Now, we know that he's arrested because he's saying repent and turn from your sins to Herod because Herod marries his brother's wife, which is adultery, right? <laughs> because he kind of got to be divorced and all that first. So it's really cool to see how he's moving fast-paced because he wants to get right into what Jesus does. And so we are only in verse 16, and now he starts talking about what Jesus is going to do and what Jesus is doing, because he goes, one day Jesus was walking, and now we get into how he calls his first disciples, and he calls Peter... And the two sons of Debedee, James and John, and he says, hey, come follow me and we'll make you fishers of men, right? And so they both leave, which, you know, we heard in the last book. But then he goes from Capernaum to all these other towns and he's casting out demons and he gets in one town, and there's this we didn't see another one because it's one person specific. And he comes across the man, and the man's got a demon in him, and the demon confronts Jesus. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And so Jesus just cuts him off. Be quiet. Come out of the man. And so the demon throws the man in a convulsion and screams and 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 leaves the man and the people that's the first time they've ever seen this and they're like they're like amazed and they're like who is this he's got such authority that even the the spirits obey him and when they see this like this is the kickoff to his ministry because now everybody's following him everybody wants to see him so they all follow him, and, and people are getting healed. People are getting demons passed out, cast out of them. And what we want to remember is demons doesn't mean like what you watch on TV and see exorcists and all that kind of junk. Demons 
or any kind of illness that's really bad, like seizures were demons, you know, uh, mental illness, demons. And they really, they could be today too, but it's all kinds of this. And Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, cast out demons, and they knew who he was, so he didn't allow them to speak, right? It says that right in the Word. And so you think about that. If you got this great physician, this is what he's doing. He's in towns making people well. If you got that in your place, you would, you'd like stay here, stay here, stay here, right? So before daybreak, the people are like, looking for him, but he's out praying. Jesus goes out to an isolated place to pray. This is in there. Why? Because it's important for us to have a place to pray. Like, I used to get up and start this podcast every day, and the Lord said, no, you need to pray first. So now I have my isolated time of prayer before I ever do this which means I start really early because I have to have my prayer time. And it's awesome, and it helps me. And so they can't find Jesus because he's in his prayer time, and I encourage you to have your own prayer time too. You don't have to do it like I do, but have a prayer time. I also have prayer time at night before I sleep. And it's awesome because you are in connection with the Lord. You wake up with him, you go to you you end your day with him, and it's the greatest. And then, you know, the Bible says to pray without ceasing. So all through the day I'm in this prayer time with the Lord in various places. And so you can do that. But if he's right there in the physical, they don't want him to leave. Here's what I can tell you. If you pray you can be right there with him, and he doesn't have to leave. But in the physical, they're like, everybody's looking for you. Where are you at? And he's like, they want you to stay. And Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them. That is why I came. So the reality is Jesus is saying, I know they're looking for me. I've done great things for him, I know. But, no. Wait, wait, wait. What'd you say? No. Really? You said no? No, I can't stay. I have to move on. Because there's others that I need to heal, touch, and preach to. In a sense, that's what he's saying. And that's okay. So what am I telling you? Sometimes it's okay for you to say no. <laughs> and right here, Jesus makes no a really beautiful word. Because he says it eloquently without hurting anyone's feelings. And yet they've all received the blessing of his presence. Here's the cool thing. If we accept Jesus in our life today, he can go with us anywhere we want to go. Because as we read yesterday, he said, I am with you to the end of the age. That means he's never going to let us go. But we got to have him in our life. 
Okay, so he moves on. And as he's moving on, he sees a man with leprosy. Now, we got to remember, we, we saw this the other day, but the thing is, he sees a man with leprosy, and he says he has, this says, moved with compassion. Now, if you follow this at all, you're either in uh, the Daily Walk Facebook page, or you can find it on our Compassion Church page. Our Compassion Church was founded off of this, which really is Matthew nine thirty six. When he saw the people, he had compassion on them. When Jesus has compassion, it moves deep within him. And when he's moved by this man who looks at him and says, if you're willing, he's not saying, hey, Lord, heal me. He's not, Lord, give me. He's not, Lord, I want. He's just saying, Lord, if you're willing. Because he knows God, he can do it. And Jesus, that moves him because he's not one that's just demanding his way. He's just saying, Lord, if you're willing. And so the Lord is like, I'm willing, be healed. And the man's healed. And he's so blessed, you know. You ever been blessed to tears? You got to imagine this guy's blessed to tears. And so Jesus says, hey, don't don't run and tell everybody. I know you're happy, but take what is necessary to the priest by the law of Moses, and that will show that you're cleansed. And, I mean, that's the first chapter, and it gets right into everything, and I think that's just cool. And then Mark 2 is the great story of the the the, the friends, sorry, who brought the paralyzed man to Jesus to be healed. They thought he can heal him. They thought this is the man. They thought only Jesus can do this, and they were so elated to be in his presence. But when they get to where Jesus is, because he's in a house, right, they can't get there. And so they go on a rooftop. This is explained really well here. And they tear a hole in the roof and lower him down before Jesus. And then when they get there, they must shinny the rope down, right? I highlighted this, Mark 2, verse 5. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. In that sense, that's healing. Because, you know, the Pharisees that are watching, they think if he's paralyzed, he must have sinned somewhere, and that's why he's ill. And, of course, they mock him. Oh, this is blasphemy. He can't. Only God can forgive sins. And he says, so what's easier, to tell him his sins are forgiven or stand up and watch, walk? But, see, they all. He, Jesus also knew that if he told him to stand up and take up his mat and walk, then they'd have something else to say because that would be, the, you know, it's the Sabbath and he's going to be working. So he just said, hey, okay, then I'll show you. Pick up your mat, walk. So the guy jumps up, picks up his mat, walks. So, you know, that made him all mad. And so we don't see that in this chapter. Instead, all we get to see is what Jesus is doing, how great it is, and all the people were stunned and seeing what a great thing it was. Now, we'll see later how that really perturbs these Pharisees. 
in the ploy because, oh, he's working. See, there's always a hidden agenda when they really want to get to you, you know. But, hey, he is God alone. Jesus is God in the flesh, God's own son. So, you know, you can't extinguish light. Darkness can't extinguish the light. And it's so good because he just helps this guy. This is what he's doing. So then, Jesus, what's he going to do next? Well, what he's going to do next is go to one of the most despised purple piece of people of all the time, you know, the IRS worker, which at the time would be the tax collector, Matthew. And he says, hey, I need you. And, man, that broke Matthew. That wrecked him. He could be a member. Uh, he could be a guest on my other podcast, of Reckoning, <laughs> because it wrecked him. Matthew's like, you want me? Oh, really? You know what life I've lived? And I think there's a lot of times there's people when we, we realize that Jesus really has a plan for us. It wrecks us. And we just, we're like so overwhelmed with emotion that we're like, how can that be? You know what kind of past? Jesus doesn't care about your past, man. He only wants you for you. So Matthew leaves everything, and he goes and follows Jesus. And he's so elated. He says, man, if you want me, can you can you come to dinner with my friends? Because, you know, they need you too. And, of course, Jesus does, right? Well, that's what Jesus does. He goes, and he witnesses and loves on people who need him, who want him, who he can change their lives with just loving and bringing them in if they accept him, who are looking for him. You know, Coach Prime is a professing Christian, and in one of his testimonies, he says, I had everything. I tried everything. I did all these things. And he lists them off, and there's a lot of them, but they're all worldly things that he did. Money, women, booze, all this stuff, fame, fortune. And he says, and none of them filled the void until I found Jesus. And if you hear him, a lot of times he gives all his success and glory to Jesus, his Lord and Savior. See, a lot of guys will say, I thank God. And when I say guys, I I mean guys is generic for me. That means men and women. But very rarely do you hear people say, I thank God, my Lord and Savior, or thank Jesus, my Lord and Savior. When they when they claim Lord and Savior, you know they're real because Lord and Savior means they got a relationship with him. And so Matthew has this Lord and Savior relationship, and he has his friends over to meet his Lord and Savior. And the Pharisees are gawking and, you know, seeing him have dinner with them, and they're like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Why is he eating with such scum? And, and here it is again. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. 
I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, and I love that phrase, man, who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus didn't put in there, I came not to call those who are righteous. He put in there, I came not to call those who think they are righteous. So see the Pharisees in their own mindset, and there's a lot of people like that. They think they're righteous, when if they were truly righteous, they wouldn't be casting stones at people all the time and judging them harshly and saying all these bad things about them when they got their own issues, right? Really? Remember what I say. If you're not playing a perfect game, you have no right to talk about someone else's game, correct? And Jesus says, but I came for those who know they're sinners. Man, we all have issues. We all should be just trying to get closer to God. And how can you remember what he said in Matthew? How can you talk about the speck in your neighbor's eye when you got such a plank in your own? And that's kind of what he's saying here, right? So, <coughs> excuse me. So then there's that discussion about fasting. And Jesus talks about the new wineskins. And, you know, you can't put new wine in old wineskins because it would burst them. And he says that he's the Lord of the Sabbath, not you. I I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And so then they get into that, you know, here's what he's going to do again. It's the Sabbath. Do we do good things on the Sabbath? I just can't imagine that people who are supposed to be leading people in the ways of the Lord criticize people when there's healings on the Sabbath. But that's what's happening in Mark 3 is Jesus is going to heal the man with the lame hand and the, the Pharisees are going to give him grief for it. And he says, are you supposed to do good or bad? And so they are kind of, you know, dumbfounded by it. And Jesus sees that they are. So he just tells them, hey, hold your hand out. Remember that from Matthew and his hands healed. Of course, that honks him off. And it honks him off to the point that one thing, that now they're going to plot on how to kill Jesus. Isn't that interesting? He holds them accountable. Do we do good things or not do good things on the Sabbath? Because you're supposed to be doing good things on the Sabbath, boys. And so I'm going to do this good thing. And he speaks a word, and the word he speaks is so condemning, even though it wasn't even about them, but it was for the help of God. What he does is help somebody with a word that it torques them off so much that they, now they're plotting to kill him. Wow. It says that right there. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. <laughs> All because a man's hand was restored. Because Jesus spoke a word. Wow. And see how fast this is coming to be? Mark's not beating around the bush. Look what Jesus does. He speaks truth. And the truth cuts like a two-edged sword. Woo! Yeah, you'll see that later when we get farther down the road in the Bible 
That's so good. So the crowds are just awed by this, and that's what really honks the Pharisees off is because he's made more followers in his short time than they ever had. And so Jesus wants to upgrade his 12 chosen disciples, and he gives them a power and authority like he has. And in their upgrade, he calls them apostles, which makes them not just followers, but called. And they are called of God or Jesus to be the ones. And in them was also Judas Iscariot, the one that would betray him. See, that just proves that Jesus had hope for him. <laughs> he knows he's going to betray him, but he's like, you're going to, there's a chance if you just repent, remember? Because he'd already said earlier that the only unforgivable sin, oh, nope, he's going to sell us that next. Because the crowds keep pressing in, the crowds keep wanting to know more about him. And when they can't find him, here's what's interesting. You know, when you become really, 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 really tuned into the works of Jesus, sometimes your family, and I've experienced this, will think this. Mark 3, verse 21, says this. When his family, this was Jesus' family, heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. Now, my family never tried to take me away. But there's plenty of my family that said he's out of his mind. So the verse reads, when his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away, and they said he's out of his mind. And that's happened. They think... I knew you before, I know you now, you're whack. And I remember uh, at a softball game one time, a guy I went to school with who is really on fire for Jesus now. And we played softball together, we went to school together, and he's written some really great articles. And he's a prep, I'm pretty sure he's a professor of theology right now. Um, we saw one of our uh, fellow acquaintances that he had worked for before in advertising, and I had done business with him when I was in business. And he's like, hey, have you seen so-and-so lately? And I said, yeah, isn't that amazing? And he goes, yeah, he's out there. And he just started talking about how, and I'm doing quotes, out of his mind, my friend is because he's turned on to Jesus now. He's so in love with Jesus and he's doing these great things with Jesus. And I was just kind of taking it all in because he obviously didn't know what I do. And I was just letting him, you know, talk. And after he got done talking, you know, because he, he was my advertising rep when I was in business. And when he got done talking, he says, so so what do you do now? And I said, I'm a pastor. And he's like, oh. And I mean, he got quiet right then. He knew that the egg was on his face. 
And he said, and I said, yeah, I'm a pastor, and I pastor this church, and it's going super, super good. So, uh, you know, because I was a New Start pastor at that time, and our church had grown immensely. And he said, he, I mean, he was like not apologetic, but embarrassed, and he walked away with like his tail between his legs because he knew he had just put his foot in his mouth big time. So. Our family, sometimes our friends will call us out and say he's out of his mind. And so the teachers, you know, the teachers, there's our, our peers sometimes when they are stuck and lukewarm and they're stuck in status quo. And, and you know, uh, I talked with someone once before, sometimes the weakest link in being uh, outreaching to our people as our pastors ourselves because we get stuck in our offices and we don't want to go out and do anything that reaches people. And because, you know, we'd rather sit in our offices instead of go be Jesus to people and speak Jesus. That's a great song, by the way. They start casting stones because Jesus is going out and doing it. He's doing it. What's Jesus doing? He's going to the people. He's being in the people. He's being relevant to the people. He's sharing his love with the people. He's teaching the people. He's praying with the people. He's healing the people. And he's staying in their midst. He doesn't just walk by and leave them. He's staying in their midst. So they say he can only do this because he's got Satan in him. And Jesus is like, whoa, come on, boys. How can Satan cast out Satan? A house divided will not stand. And then he gets into the part what I was telling you about. Because they're kind of blaspheming the Son of God saying stuff like that. The Son of God is filled with is the Son of Satan, basically. No, 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 no. And that's really, if you're talking about blasphemy, you're blaspheming right now because you're blaspheming the Son of God. So here's the truth. All sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. Except blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That'll never be forgiven. That has eternal consequences. And he tells them this because they were, in a sense, blaspheming him by saying he was possessed by an evil spirit. That's in there. Mark 3, verse 30. Okay? So then they tell him his parent, his uh, family is out there. And this is the same family that just said he's out of his mind. He said, wait a minute. Who's with me right now? Who's who am I? Who am I with that's sitting with me, loving on me, as I love on them? And they look around. And he says, "Yeah." So these are my family. Anyone who does God's will is my family. And that's how we close out today. So when we are all in the will of God, working together in the family of God, loving each other and following God's plan for our lives. And we are in unity, working to see God's love fulfilled for the community. That's family. And then we can sing, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. We are united in Jesus Christ. And that's where I want to be. So what a great way to close out Tuesday. Mark's going to keep moving right along, and we'll be back tomorrow with another exciting episode. So have a great day, 
and know that Jesus loves you. Word of God speak, would you pour down like rain, washing